was it bad? What was it like? Working with him, working with her. You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Hi. This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. Today, I'm joined again by Broadway star Michael Rupert to talk about his career from City of Angels all the way up to what he's been doing in quarantine. I know you all want to hear what he has to say, so without further ado, here is part two of our interview. Okay. I want to ask you about something else in your career, which is movies, which you've also done a lot of. Uh-huh. So... In the movie Life with Mikey, you did it with William Finn and a lot of your other Falsettos cast members. So how did you come to do that? Uh, well, you know, James Lapine, who had directed Falsettos, uh, he directed Life with Mikey. Oh. And, and James pretty much just asked, you know, some of the people he knew just to play little parts in the movie. You know, so he asked. Bill Finn and Stephen Bogardus and me and uh, who else? Jonathan uh, Kaplan, who played Jason in Falsettos, and Barbara Walsh was in it. I think Heather McRae was in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, I just got in life with Mikey. I had that little part of life with Mikey because <laughs> James just called up and said, hey, come on and be in the, my movie. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So in your, yeah. Ex- in your experience working in movies... How are movie stars different than stage stars? Well, you know, making a movie is very different than being on stage, you know, because on, you know, as you know, when you're on stage, you're doing eight shows a week and your show maybe is two and a half hours, two hours and 45 minutes long. And, And in movies, you know, when you do, when you're filming a movie, when you do, uh, little, you know, little takes of your, of your scene, you know, sometimes those scenes are like a minute long. I mean, they're, they're, they could be very short. Yeah. So, uh, I've just found that, that, you know, a lot of movie people that I have been around in my life and, and, you know, they just have a different kind of discipline than stage actors do. You know, they're very, you know, they're, they just, their attention span just generally is much shorter, you know, because they do these really short takes that are then edited into a longer, into, into the whole movie. And, you know, when you're on stage, of course, again, like for a two and a half hour show, you have to be focused that whole two and a half hours every, every night, you know, and, and, and twice on Saturday and Wednesdays and Saturdays. So, um, you know, so it's just a, a kind of a different mindset. I've found that a lot of a lot of film actors who haven't done theater are kind of uh, in awe of theater actors, mm-hmm. yeah, because they they really are able to do you know do a whole two and a half hour play, <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, you know, so that's that's kind of the difference, I think. 
when you do movies, is it ever because you sort of want to break from theater, or is it just whatever comes along? No, it's, it, it's just pretty much whatever comes along, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've never, you know, actively pursued doing movies or oh. TV or anything like mm -hmm. that. So it's pretty much, you know, whether my agent has called me and said, oh, you know, you want to be on Law and Order, <laughs> or, or, uh, or here's this movie you can do a, a little part in or whatever, you know, that's kind of how it's happened. Yeah. So you've also done TV, as you mentioned. I guess TV is a little bit more organized than movies, but less so than theater. So is that something you enjoy, too? Uh, well, I've enjoyed doing both, you know. Uh, the thing about television is that, uh, as opposed to movies, you know, TV is done very fast, yeah. you know, um, because they, they, they don't have, generally don't have the kind of money that movies has, you know, uh, you know, that movies have to, to, to throw around. So, you know, whenever you're doing a TV show, you know, I, I, it, it, it just seems like they it, everything goes very quickly. They film yeah. things very fast. In a movie, you know, you can do a, a, a you know a take of a scene, you know, ten times. You can yeah. do it even more than that if, if the director wants. In TV, you kind of have like one or two takes for a, for a scene you're in, and that's it. And then they they move on to something else because again, they have no time. They have to put out a TV show every week. Yeah. And uh, they do it very quickly. So yep. is, is there a certain film or TV work that you're proudest of or that you enjoy doing the most? Um, to be honest with you, uh, not, not really, uh, you know, because oh, okay. I, I haven't done uh, a, a lot of TV and film in my life. I've mostly done theater. Um, so, I, and I really did more TV and film actually when I was a teenager, when I was younger, yeah. than I did as an adult. Um, but, you know, everything that I did, I, I just remember it being a lot of fun to do. And, yeah. and you know, I just didn't really enjoy being a part of whatever TV or film project I had, uh, had uh, come along. So, even though when you were younger you were doing a lot of TV you never wanted to be a TV star. It was always theater. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I pretty much always wanted to focus on theater, even when I was young. I knew that, you know, yeah. because I did find the theater that I was doing as a young young man, as a, as a as a as a kid, really as a teenager, was much more interesting to me and much more satisfying than being on a film set. So I knew that theater is what I wanted to do, definitely. Yeah. So I want to actually go back to our previous interview to ask you about one more thing. Which so what was the experience like for you to win a Tony for Sweet Charity? Um, well, winning a Tony uh, is a lot of fun. You know, it's, yeah. it's really great. Um, the thing about winning a Tony is, is that the be totally the best thing about it is, is just, Tony Award night, you know, yeah. because that night you're being honored by your peers, you know, by the people who voted for you, and um, and it's really great. I mean, it's just fun, you know, when you go to the party afterwards, uh, 
it it uh, you know you're 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 the guy that won the Tony that night, and yeah. and so everybody really celebrates you, and uh, and you know after you win a Tony, it's it doesn't you know it's it's the kind of thing where you know and I had been warned, you know to to that you know it doesn't necessarily it necessarily change your life when you win a, win an award like that you know when you win yeah. a Tony award. Uh, the only thing that that really changes is pretty much whenever they write about you, they always call you the Tony Award-winning actor, Michael Rupert. Yeah. Um, yes. Whereas before, they couldn't say that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, it's, you know, uh, having also been nominated a couple more times for Tonys, I can tell you, and not having won them, I can tell you that it's more fun to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, how did you come to replace in City of Angels? Um, they were when City of Angels. I was uh, I was doing uh, Falsetto Land at the time, um, and I got a call about taking over for Greg Edelman, who who was who had originated the role in City of Angels, and. Um, and uh, I, I auditioned, you know, I auditioned for Michael Blakemore, the director, and, and, um, and they, they just thought he offered me the job, you know, and it was a pretty, at the time, to be honest with you, it was a pretty easy call because I was in an off-Broadway show and I was being offered a Broadway show yeah. and the money I would make in a Broadway show was a lot more than off-Broadway, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I just, you know, so at the time I thought like, oh, well, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sad to leave Falsetto Land, but uh, I can go uptown, you know, uh, go to Broadway and re replace Greg, and I can make a, a really big Broadway salary for a while, which is yeah. always a good thing, you know. And that's kind of how it came about. I just, they called me up and asked me if I would come in and audition, and I did, and they offered me the job. So, in the case of City of Angels and in the case of Ragtime, where you also replaced, did you know Greg Edelman or Mandy Patinkin before replacing? Uh, I knew, uh, yes, I actually knew Greg. Um, and um, it's funny because all of the people I've replaced, John Rubenstein in Pippin many years ago, I, mm. I knew John. Uh, not well, but I knew him a little bit from Los Angeles because he also was from California. Oh. And um, I knew Greg in City of Angels. Um, uh, Ragtime, actually, uh, uh, I actually uh, did not know the person I replaced. Uh, and um, so that was a different kind of thing. Uh, and I actually did, with Ragtime, I actually did the national tour first. Oh. So, I, so I actually kind of created that role on my own for the national tour of Ragtime. And then after the tour, I came to Broadway. And oddly enough, John Rubenstein, who I had replaced in Pippin, he actually went into Ragtime. He oh. actually played the mm. part in Ragtime. So I actually replaced John Rubenstein again on Broadway. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is. 
So yeah, yeah. in going into both of these shows, how much sort of direction and rehearsal did you get? Uh, I got well. Generally, when you when you go into any show, uh, you pretty much if you're a, a replacement, you usually only get a couple weeks rehearsal. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and then there's usually a a, a a you know you get one big technical rehearsal with all the crew and the set and everything. Because when you're first rehearsing for a couple of weeks. Uh, you're not really rehearsing on the set, you know, um, and you're not rehearsing with all of the the sets that move and everything and all the crew. Um, But, um, but, you know, it, it it ends up, you know, you get plenty of rehearsal time really for, for what you need. Cause really it only takes a couple of weeks to learn a show and, and then, um, and then that one big technical rehearsal where they have the crew there and all the props and, and the costumes and everything that you're going to need to uh, to be able to do the show properly. So in both of these cases, did you find that you have to you had to do most of the character work by yourself? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, 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 the director was there to help, um, and like with say with City of Angels. I first, I worked for the first week just with the stage manager, um, just so she could give me the blocking and, 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 and give me, you know, like just where I was supposed to be on stage and all of that. Um, and I would do, you know, certainly, you know, in terms of creating a character, I would do a lot of that work on my own. But then the next week, Michael Blakemore, the director on City of Angels, he came in and he spent the week working with me, uh, to, to help, to help me, you know, to create, Mm -hmm. create the character and to do what I needed to do for the show, for the story. So in both cases, again, were the cast sort of welcoming to you as a replacement? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, they were, um, there's always, you know, certain individuals in the cast that don't really welcome a new person. Yeah. You know, they, they they get a little weird about it. But for the most part, when you go into a when you uh, when you go into a, a show as a replacement, generally the most of the cast is very welcoming. And you know, because they want you to do a good job, you know. Yeah. They want you to feel like you're part of the part of the family now in that show. And um, that's, you know, so it really kind of helps, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's it it's it, it I would imagine make you very uncomfortable if you go into a show and everybody hated you. That's true. <laughs> but that's never been. I've never found that to be the case. So was any part of the experience of replacing different from when you'd done it earlier in your career with Pippin? Uh, no, it really wasn't. It it's it pretty much was the same thing. You know whether it was. Uh, you know, years ago, replacing in Pippin, or whether it was uh, in City of Angels, um, or in Ragtime, um, it, it, you know, pretty much is the same kind of routine, and, and um, the same, you know, the same process, it, you, you go through the same kind of process. Um, yeah. But the Ragtime, it was interesting, 
going into ragtime, not having created the character, but, you know, because there is so much music in ragtime, because so much of what goes on on stage is underscored by music, that the timing of a lot of things I had to do on stage, like just where I had to hit a certain mark, where I, you know, where I had to have a fight with, uh, with somebody as, as the immigrant, um, that all had to be timed to the music. So mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of flexibility in terms of how I did certain things in ragtime, only because I had to stay with the music, you know. Yeah. Uh, certain other shows are not like that. So that was the only difference when I replaced uh, someone in a show. That's the only time that I felt a little bit constrained. The mm-hmm. other times I could pretty much just do whatever I wanted to do. So doing Ragtime on Broadway, obviously it was a bigger theater, but were there other ways in which it was different from the tour? Um, it was, Ragtime on Broadway was almost identical to what we had done on the tour. Oh. Uh, the, the only difference between uh, Ragtime on Broadway and Ragtime on the tour is that the set was, there were certain pieces of the set that uh, that we did not have on tour, uh, only because they were too big to really ship around the country. And um, but some of the theaters we we played on tour with Ragtime were as big as as uh, the house what the theater was on Broadway. Yeah. So um, and Ragtime was in the biggest theater on Broadway. Um, so, uh, so it, the, the, again, the only difference was really, there were certain, certain pieces of the set that were different that, but the show itself was uh, almost, you know, completely identical. So you were mentioning earlier that falsettos was sort of exhausting to do. Was ragtime the same way? It being such a big show. Yeah. Ragtime was really tiring to do, uh, First of all, because it's almost three hours long. It's a very long show. And also, the role I played of Tata uh, is a very emotional role. I mean, it's it's physically tiring, uh, but also emotionally tiring. So I found that doing eight shows a week of ragtime was not easy. It was a, a very, really an exhausting show to do. Um, I loved doing it. I mean, it was really a, a, a great show to be a part of. But I remember the whole time I was with Ragtime, I was just tired all the time. Yeah. Because I, so t- I was so exhausted. Mm. Yeah. So around this same time of doing these two shows, something you did was direct. You directed, I believe, twice or maybe more than twice. So was directing something that you'd always wanted to do or... Yeah, uh, well, I, 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 it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of directors in theater, uh, probably even the majority of directors in theater started as actors first. That's where they first started. And, and so it was a very natural, you know, it was a very natural thing for me to be interested in directing, 
um, because I had been through the process so many times. Yeah. And um, and I first, you know, I first directed actually uh, back in the late eighties at a at a at a college. Oh, I did, directed a, a production at the College of William and Mary in Virginia, um, and I really loved it. I mean, I really enjoyed doing it. And there was a there was a time there. There was a moment there where I even thought if if I had not kept acting, uh, I might have turned to directing more and focused oh. more on that. But at the time, I was just kind of getting more jobs and as an actor and that just kept me busy so I didn't really focus on it um, later on I was able to you know I directed uh, you know uh, I directed uh, some workshops of things and I directed a, a couple of things off Broadway and I've continued really to this day or at least until uh you know, the pandemic started earlier this mm -hmm. year. I, I've continued to, to uh, you know, go, go to, to universities and work with students. And I've directed plays and musicals uh, at different universities around the country. So do you usually pick things to direct or do you get asked to direct things? Um, pr pretty much you get, you know, I, I, the, the things that I have directed, I've just been asked to do, you know, yeah. uh, they're doing a production of, of, well, I actually directed a production of Ragtime. Oh, um, uh, I directed a production of Sweet Charity, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I think mostly I was asked to do those because they knew I had done the shows yeah. as an, a as an actor. So I really knew the shows. Um, but uh, for the most part, uh, the directing that I've done, I've, they, they, I have not chosen the shows to direct. They, mm -hmm. You know, they are someone is is planning uh, a production of a certain show, and they call me up and ask me if I want to direct it. So you were mentioning that you directed some shows you were in. What do you feel that you have taken from the directors that you've worked with or have learned? Well, I just, you know, having worked with some really good directors in my life, you know, I just learned how the whole thing works, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, as a director, you have to not only be a, a good technician, I mean, you have to know kind of how the set works and how light, lighting works and, 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 you know, any director is, you know, what is a director? They're a storyteller, you know, and yeah. they're there to for the audience to tell the very best story they can um and i learned from a lot of people just watching them uh you know how to tell a story and and um and i think that that's you know part of that too is you know you have to be kind of a a, a, a psychologist yeah. too when you're when you're a director because you sometimes you work with some you know, very temperamental actors or some, you know, and, and you have to under, you know, it's like being a therapist. You have to kind of be able to talk to them and, and get them to do things that you need for the story. Uh, and sometimes that takes talking to them like, like you're their psychotherapist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
So conversely to the question I just asked, have there been directors you've worked with or you feel you learned sort of what not to do? Um, well, I, I, yeah, I, the truth of the matter is I've worked with uh, a few directors in my life, too, that were not that great, mm-hmm. you know, that were not the best directors in the world. So I've also kind of learned from them what not to do as a director. Yeah. And you kind of, you know, you, I kind of look, I, I would kind of watch them as, as an actor, I would watch them do things that I thought didn't make any sense from the, st- from the point of the storytelling of, of, of the play. And so in a way I kind of learned, you know, from certain people what not to do because I watch people do things you shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah. So how do you think that having this experience as a director has sort of changed or improved your skills as an actor? Um, well, I just, you know, if anything, it's, it, it makes me understand it's having done some directing. I, I understand sometimes what it, I started to understand more what a director has to do in mm-hmm. service of the story. So sometimes when I think like as an actor, sometimes you think like, well, all this focus should be on me. I should yeah. be the one everybody's looking at at that moment, you know, mm-hmm. when in reality, that's not always the case. And, and sometimes when a director has made me understand that I've kind of understood, it's made me understand more what the actor's role is in the whole big picture that, that the director is trying to create. So two of the things you directed off-Broadway, one was a thriller, Thrill Me, the Leopold and Loeb story, and the other was Lunch Anxieties, which was a comedy. So how do you sort of approach them differently, being the two different genres? Well, one was was a musical. So right there, you know, uh, you have all of the music to deal with. the other was a play, yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't have to deal with, you know, any kind of music. So, um, but the truth of the matter is, whether it's a musical or whether it's a play, um, a director doesn't totally look at them differently in terms of how they approach them, because what yeah. you do again, the most, the most important thing that any director has to do is they have they have to tell the story uh, and and they have to tell the story with the, the words that the writer wrote yeah so um, so certainly in terms of whether it's a whether it, it was you know whether it was a play like the lunch anxieties or a musical like thrill me I didn't really approach them differently you know, um, I just approached the approach the same way I had been taught by other directors is, you know, what, whatever the material is that you have to work with, just clearly tell the story so the audience gets it. Yeah. So you, we were talking about earlier in mail that you wrote and acted in it. Have you ever acted in something that you've directed? 
no. No, I, I, um, oh, no, I'm sorry, that's not true. Uh, that first play that I directed at the College of William and Mary, um, I actually played a little part in that, a very small part, as well as having directed it. So the, uh, but, so the, but the only time I've ever been involved in any, any show, as far as I can remember, uh, where I've done two things is on mail, where I, I okay. not only played the lead in the, in the show, but I also wrote the music. Is there, but that's it. You know, I've, yeah. I, I don't think there's any, been any other time where I've been in something that I've directed. Yeah. So you were, yeah. you were saying earlier that you don't really have any roles that you necessarily want to act in, but is there a project that you've always wanted to direct? Uh, you know something, to be honest, there isn't. Uh, there's, there's nothing that I've thought, like, that's something I really want to direct. Um... But um, if I ever find one, uh, I'll let you know, okay? <laughs> okay. So do you prefer directing comedies or dramas? Uh, I, I really like dramas. You know, I, I think uh, more serious material is, is interesting to me. Um, I feel more comfortable with it than I do with comedy. Yeah. Uh, so, so definitely when... When, if, 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 say, a college or a university calls me up and, and, and asks me to direct something, if it's, if it's something serious, like ragtime, uh, that really interests me a lot more than if it was a comedy, definitely. Yeah. So I want to go back to asking you about your acting career. How did you become involved with Elegies? Um, well, that was another case of, uh, you know, Elegies was a, a project that Bill Finn had written, and um, Graziella Danielle was direct going to direct it, and I had worked uh, with both of them before, obviously, with Bill Finn on, on uh, falsettos, and, um, and also on... Uh, um, on the workshop of a new brain, okay. which Graziella Danielle directed, she directed the workshop of a new brain, and then Grazi also uh, did all the choreography and all the musical staging for Ragtime. So, uh, so again, I'd known both of them, and they they had both worked with me. So, when they were going to do Elegies at Lincoln Center, I just got a call, you know, from yeah. Bill. Uh, saying, you know, uh, Grazi and I are going to do this thing at Lincoln Center and we want you to be in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's really how Elegies came about. So Elegies was a song cycle about 9-11. So was that something, A, that felt personal to you? And also, what did you think about having that subject matter for a musical so soon after it had happened? Well, Elegies was not just about 9-11. Elegies was really about a lot of different people who have uh, who have passed away. Um, yeah. I mean, it was Bill Finn writing about some people that he knew, uh, who some some who had passed away during the AIDS epidemic. Um, yeah. Some he, uh, he even wrote about 
you know, just a, a Korean restaurant that he used to go to where suddenly it just closed. And, and so, so Elegies was, was really about, um, you know, just, just people and things passing and, and how we miss them. And it was about loss. Uh, towards the end of the show, towards the end of Elegies, there does become a little, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a small song cycle that relates to 9-11. Um, and there were several songs about that. It was a, you know, the whole, the, the whole Elegies experience was really quite a terrific one, to be honest. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought Bill had wrote some really beautiful songs. And, um, and it, it was something that, that, you know, certainly someone my age and a lot of people, you know, experience in life, uh, they experience loss, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, uh, Christian Borrell was in it and he sang a song about a dog that he lost, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, there, you know, when you get to a certain age, you know, there's a lot of people that just experience loss in their life, whether it's a parent or it's a, a loved one or a dog or a cat or a friend or uh, whoever it is, uh, they experience loss. Yeah. And so it was a, a really interesting show and really beautifully done. So how did you think that William Finn, either as a person or as a composer, had changed from when you worked with him earlier on falsettos? Oh, Bill, Bill changed a lot over the years from, from uh, when I first met him and first worked with him on March of the Falsettos. Uh, Bill was, you know, uh, for whatever reason, was not easy to work with. I mean, he was oh, not, man. he was, you know, uh, just kind of out there, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, he was obviously an incredibly talented guy. But uh, for whatever reason, he, he, he could be a real pain in the butt to be around sometimes. Mm-hmm. Over the years, Bill has really matured and changed. And, and you know, uh, he still is very opinionated and very, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, there's still parts of him that's, that is the same guy that he was all those years ago. But he's much easier to be around now, you know, yeah. uh, than he was back way back in the day. So was that working on that show at Lincoln Center, was it the same sort of kind of collaborative thing that falsettos had been? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it was a really, um, a really interesting group of uh, actors. Um, and Bill was, you know, still kind of writing, uh, in the middle of writing elegies when we started working on it. Um, he had a bunch of songs he'd already written and it wasn't even, sh- it wasn't even certain, uh, except for some of the songs, there were a few songs that he wasn't even quite sure who was going to sing them oh. once, mm-hmm. once he got the cast, you know, together. So we would kind of play around with, with some of the songs. Like one day I would sing, you know, one of the songs, and then the next day, Christian uh, uh, Christian would sing the same song, 
and Bill and Grassi would listen to it. Maybe the next day, Keith, you know, Keith, who, Keith Byron Kirk, who was also in the show, he would sing that song. And that's pretty much kind of how the whole thing came together is, is they were trying to see what songs fit with the actor the best. And, mm-hmm. and um, there were certain songs in Elegies that, you know, that they kind of, you know, Bill and, and Bill knew going in that he wanted me to sing or he wanted mm-hmm. Betty Buckley to sing or Carolee Carmelo, you know, uh, he knew what he wanted them to do. But then there was, like I say, a bunch of songs where he wasn't quite sure. And uh, so we, you know, uh, so there was kind of a, a an evolving creative thing that went on, much like when we first did falsettos. Yeah. Yeah. So were you ultimately happy with the songs that you got to sing? Oh yeah, yeah. I really, I really liked the songs that I sang in, in elegies. Uh, I really, uh, you know, I to be honest with you, I, there were so many songs in elegies that I really loved that I thought, oh, I'd like to sing that too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, um, but the songs that I ended up singing, I was really, really pleased with, yeah. So you've sort of done a few things without within your career that are sort of review-type things. So uh-huh. do, you doing, do you enjoy doing that as much or even more than a more linear show? Uh, I th- no, I think I enjoy doing a, a, a story show better than a review. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've, I, the, the few reviews, you know, kind of the uh, review kind of shows that I've done, the few, uh, I've enjoyed, definitely. But, um, you know, doing a show like, like Sweet Charity or, or City of Angels, just in terms of, of doing doing that kind of thing is a little more satisfying than doing putting it together or elegies yeah. just to, to like you're telling a you know you're you're not just doing one song after another you're really telling a story and and uh over over a, a whole evening so i think i find that a little more satisfying than doing a review kind of thing yeah yeah so how did you get your job doing legally blonde um, Legally Blonde came about again because, um, uh, well, I had known, I, I had worked with Jer- uh, Jerry Mitchell, who directed it. Uh, I had worked with him before. And um, when they first were doing Legally Blonde, they actually asked me to audition for it, and I didn't. Oh. I, I, I decided not to for whatever reason. Maybe you thought, I, I don't remember exactly why I didn't. Maybe I thought it was because I didn't think it was going to be very good or, or I just wasn't interested at the time. Uh, but I, I, um, I declined. You know, I said, no, I don't really want to audition. Thanks anyway. Uh, and, and so they then went on to do a couple of workshops of Legally Blonde with other actors playing Professor Callahan. Oh. And... Um, and then finally, really right before they were going to start rehearsal for Broadway, um, I got another call uh, from my agent saying, look, Jerry, you know, Jerry has been auditioning lots of guys for this 
this role of Professor Callahan, and just he doesn't like any of them. And he really, really would appreciate it if you would come in and just audition for the the writing team and and the producer. You know, yeah. Uh, can you please do that? And so I did. Um, and um, I finally said yes. I will. I will come in and audition. And uh, I did. And they hired me. And that's mm-hmm. how Legally Blonde happened. So had you already known the movie or already liked it? I had seen the movie, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I had seen the movie, uh, but I, I didn't, I hadn't heard any of the, uh, any of the songs, uh, any of the material, except when I, I auditioned, they sent me the one song called Blood in the Water that Professor Callahan sings in his classroom. And they asked me to just take a look at it and and sing a little of that. I didn't really have to learn it really well. You know, I could just read the music. And, and uh, it was all very kind of casual, but they just wanted to kind of hear how I would approach that song because that was really Professor Callahan's big song in the show. So I did. And, um, but I did, that's the only music in the show I had heard at all before I, uh, I took the job. Oh, really? So, did you enjoy playing the villain in that show? Uh, did I enjoy playing a villain in yeah. that show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, Charles, it's always a little. It's always fun to play the villain. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, I don't know. It's just it's just fun. You know, you get to be the bad guy. Yeah. And. Um, uh, the only time that w- that it was not fun to be a, the villain in that show was after the show when I would uh, leave the theater. Oh. There were a lot of young, young, young uh, legally blonde fans who would boo me. Oh, really? They <laughs> they, they hated me because I was the villain. Uh, but it was a lot of fun to do on stage. That was a great, great company, a great group of people. And we had uh, uh, just an enormous amount of fun doing that show. So how involved were you, if at all, with the famous reality series about Legally Blonde? Well, I was in it. That's it. Uh, You know, uh, no, I mean, oh, you mean the reality series about, you know, finding the next Elle Woods, that kind of thing? Yes. Yeah, I, I had nothing to do with that. Oh, you know, really? uh, the only thing that I was involved with, with with was when we filmed, we taped the show for MTV, um, and that was aired on MTV. But uh, but they did that whole reality show, and uh, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what? would you say that you like about the more modern style of musicals and then what would you say you like about the more golden age style which you've done both of um well you know something they're both uh, they're both uh, really great i mean can be great you know the truth is there there are some musicals back from the golden age of broadway you know that are not good musicals <laughs> yeah. just as today you know, there are some very contemporary musicals that are not good musicals. There, there are also some great ones from the golden age of Broadway, and there's some great ones today. Um, you know, uh, 
I think that, you know, having been involved with uh, a show back in the, back in the golden age, uh, was just terrific. You know, it was, uh, really a, a great thing to be a part of, but I, I also can, you know, can, uh, move forward, you know, to, to mm-hmm. things like ragtime and elegies and city of angels that, you know, are more, you know, uh, certainly not from the golden age, falsettos, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they're more, they're more contemporary kind of shows. And, uh, I've really, you know, as long as the story is great, I've enjoyed doing both, both of the mm-hmm. styles. So I want to ask you how you came to be in the 2014 revival of On the Town? Um, On the Town happened because, uh, once again, because I had worked with John Rando, the director. Um, And um, I had worked with John, and uh, I simply got a call from, you know, uh, they, they called my agent, and and said, uh, John is going to direct this revival of On the Town, and would Michael be interested in doing it? And um, they said, there's a, there's, you know, there, there's a part in it, the part of Judge Pitkin, that is not a big part at all. It's not a very big part. So my, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, John made the point to me that I don't have to work very hard, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have to carry the show, so but it would be a lot of fun to do, and uh, that's really how On the Town came about. You know, we first did it up in Massachusetts at the Barrington stage, and then um, and then uh, like a, a, what a maybe a, was it a year later we came to Broadway, something like that, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, I think it was about that, you know, they brought it to Broadway and we ended up on Broadway and, and that was a really great production. I mean, it was John really directed it beautifully and it was, the cast was just great. And, uh, we had a lot of fun doing on the town. Yeah. Yeah. So on the town, I could be wrong, but I imagine you'd seen that before. Uh, on the town, I actually had never seen on the town on stage. I saw the movie that was made of on the town way back in the nineteen forties, I think, um, which is very different from the stage play yeah, in a lot of ways. That is, um, I don't even remember the movie very well now, but I I know that it's they changed it a lot for the movies. So I had actually never seen on the town on stage. Uh, so I didn't really know the show other than I had heard a few of the songs and I kind of knew what the show was about. Um, so it was kind of a new experience for me. Yeah. But you, you did, you were saying it's not the lead part, but you did get to do that great comic song. I understand. So how did you sort of do approach that as an actor and as a singer? Well, to be honest with you, uh, my little my 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 little silly song I under I understand in on the town. I really uh, you know that song only kind of worked as a comedic song because of Allison, who was my partner in that song. 
She was, the way she threw herself around the stage was really, really funny. And every time my character would get upset and, and suddenly be angry and lash out, she would do some kind of crazy fall or something. Yeah. And, um, and so we really, you know, with John, the director, the three of us just really kind of approached this, that little song. How can, how can we make this song just kind of as silly and as funny as possible? Yeah. And, um, and that was our goal. You know, he, he, John said to me, I want you to be as over the top as possible when you sing the song. Uh, be really broad and big. You don't have to be subtle at all. And, and Alice in the same way. So we yeah. kind of came up with something that I thought that the audience seemed to really have a good time watching. Yeah. So did you appreciate in doing On the Town that there was no attempt as I appreciate that there was no attempt to sort of modernize it as there is with some revivals today? Yes, yeah. Well, John's whole idea of, of doing On the Town, his whole approach to it was really to do it really like the original production had been done. Yeah. You know, the original production of On the Town was, you know, opened on Broadway during World War II in the early 1940s. So even the, at the very top of the show, I don't know if you remember this, but at the very top of the show, the first thing you see is this big American flag, yeah. And, yeah. and the audience sings the Star Spangled Banner, you know, the national yeah. anthem. And that's what they did during World War II. But they did it in every theater. In every theater that was doing a musical, they would do, they would first play the national anthem before the play started. So John found this out, and he said, "Well, that's how we're going to start our show too." Um, and and he said, "Also, we're gonna we're not going to try to modernize the show at all, or make it, you know, make it. We're not going to wink at the audience and 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 be in on the joke, you know, yeah. like like we're doing this old show, wink wink." He said, we're going to do this like they really did it, which is like, really like a big, almost like doing vaudeville or, or a big, it's just a big, silly, funny, fun show yeah. with a lot of really good dancing in it and a lot of great music. Um, so, you know, I appreciate the fact that he didn't try to reinvent the show and reconceive it as yeah. something uh, you know, that some people would think would be more interesting to audiences today. Um, the fact that he wanted to honor what they had done, you know, in the early 1940s, uh, I thought was really a nice thing. Yeah. So now I want to ask you about now and during COVID, what have you been doing to sort of keep busy with theater and to stay involved with theater online? Well, you know what, uh, d you know, during the whole pandemic, you know, theater, as, as you know, Charles, has been pretty much just shut down. Yeah. Um, you know, there have been, there have been, uh, you know, people obviously trying to do things uh, online, you know, on the internet, uh, through Zoom or whatever, um, but... For live theater, it's pretty much just come to a halt. Yeah. 
And it's not really gonna, you know, really come back. Probably, I'm thinking, you know, they they're talking about trying to reopen Broadway, you know, in the middle of next year. But um, I don't think that, you know, I I, I have a feeling it's going to be, you know, really another year of this before. Yeah before, you know, before they figure out how they're going to be able to do live theater again. So, you know, um, I've really been, you know, to, to be honest with you, I've been doing very little, you know, since uh, COVID has come on the scene. Um, other than, you know, watching a few thing, theater things online and watching a few things on Netflix, yeah. you know, about that, that are theater related. Um, but there's not been a lot to do. So we're just kind of, everybody's just kind of waiting to, to see when we can all get back in theaters again. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to ask you is when theaters do eventually reopen, what kind of thing would you like to do? Well, what I look forward to when theaters do reopen again is I look forward to continuing to direct, you know, Mm. Um, I really, at this point, am not very terribly excited about getting back on stage myself as an actor, because yeah. uh, I, I did it for so many years. Uh, but the thing that I miss is, is you know, going, uh, mainly going to uh, colleges and going to universities and working with students and directing, you know, like the next generation of theater, you know, theater people, uh, and, and seeing, you know, trying to make a difference in their lives and, and being a part of, of the next generation coming up. Yeah. So that's really what I look forward to is, is getting back to some directing, uh, with students in universities. Thank you so much for doing this interview. It was an honor for me to be able to hear your stories. Listeners, thank you for tuning in, and remember to come back next week when we are joined by a guest that I am very excited to be able to announce, the legendary lyricist Tom Jones. Tom Jones is the author of the longest-running musical ever, The Fantastics. On Broadway, his work can also be found in I Do, I Do and 110 in the Shade, as well as the avant-garde musical Celebration. Coming up, he is writing La Tempesta, Harold and Maud, and more. Other credits include Roadside, Philemon, Colette Collage, and contributions to several Julius Monk reviews, all with his longtime partner Harvey Schmidt. Thanks for tuning in.